This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 14th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. The president's trade agenda is all wrapped up in exports. Exports are important, but as Dan Eikenson argues, exports are only part of the value that trade delivers around the world. Eikenson is co-author of the new Cato Free Trade Bulletin, Beyond Exports, A Better Case for Free Trade. He's also associate director of the Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. In the 2010 State of the Union Address, President Obama made this pledge to double exports in five years. Uh, That has since become the centerpiece, really, of the Obama administration's trade policy. Uh, It's not necessarily a bad idea to, to double exports, but by remaining silent on imports and by only talking about exports all the time, it serves to demonize imports. Americans think, uh, you know, unfortunately we have this tendency to think in terms of scoreboard metaphors, sports metaphors. And if we want to increase our exports, but we see imports rising, we think we're losing a trade. Uh, And the president really has not done a good job talking about the value of imports, not only to consumers, There are obvious benefits to consumers who have access to a multitude of new products. There's competition. I mean, we we avail ourselves of all sorts of nifty devices nowadays, which would not be possible, smartphones and iPads, et cetera, uh, if we didn't have access to this global supply chain. But President Obama acts as though it is American producers against producers abroad uh, and that there's really no no benefit of of, – of failing ourselves of, of access to imports, 55% of the value of U.S. imports uh, is imports made by U.S. producers, raw materials, uh, intermediate goods, uh, capital equipment. And the president continues just to, just to talk about exports. And as a result, uh, what happens is that when the trade deficit rises or we're in a political campaign mode, uh, politicians become extremely responsive to the import competing industries. Uh, people say, well, we must be losing a trade because we have this big trade deficit. Uh, and that's just the wrong message. Free trade, when you lay it out there, honestly, is not terribly popular. People tend to see uh, the short run and one side of, of that short run. Um, despite that, it seems historically at least, cooler heads tend to prevail, even among people that we might consider to be very uh, left of center Democrats, FDR through Jimmy Carter. Uh, had good records on trade, and Bill Bill Clinton, of course, had a had a had a good record on trade. Um, where is that debate now? There has been a pro-trade consensus throughout the past few generations, and we are a much more trade-friendly society than we we were in the past. I mean, average tariffs in the United States are extremely low, one and a half percent or so. Uh, but there is uh, a lot of hand wringing, particularly about China and our place in the world. I think that we we sort of lost faith to a certain extent uh, in ourselves after the Great Recession. We've sort of emerged on a slow growth track uh, with relatively high unemployment by U.S. standards. China is on a uh, high growth trajectory as it has been for the past 30 years. And it's causing policymakers to express certain doubts and leading them to think maybe we're too complacent with the Chinese, maybe we've been too permissive, maybe we need to start imposing trade barriers. And then there's another school of thought saying, well, maybe we need to emulate their policies. Maybe we need industrial policy in the United States. Those are, that's kind of where the debate is right now. Meanwhile, uh, American consumers, the American public has always been skeptical of free trade, even though we've marched forward. Uh, for the past 15 years or so, there's a, st- a poll done by Pew 
which finds less than 50% of Americans thinking that free trade agreements are a good thing. Uh, and people opposed thinking, thinking trade agreements are a bad thing uh, fluctuates, you know, between 35 and 50%. Um, but you see a close relationship between the political rhetoric and support for trade. So during campaign seasons, uh, during the 2008 campaign, you saw support for trade really tailing off, particularly among self-identified Democrats who were following the Democratic primary. That was a very, trade was very topical in the ongoing debate between uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. Then we saw in the following year when policymakers were grappling with solutions to, to the Great Recession and what we need to do, there was a lot of talk about avoiding the mistake of the 1930s, avoiding Smoot-Hawley. We had these G20 meetings where policymakers made pledges to avoid protectionism. And interestingly, if you look at the, the numbers, you see people's support for trade rising. So I think we really are influenced uh, by what the politicians are saying and what the media are saying. So Scott Linscombe and I have a paper uh, that just came out, uh, that we, and we're using it to sort of implore policymakers and the business community to use the broader case for trade. Uh, the moral case. I mean, trade is inherently fair. An exchange between me and anybody else uh, is is more f is fair. Whereas, if if uh, somebody enlists the help of government to his side to to sway my decision, that's inherently unfair. Uh, so we need to make that case, and we need to make the case that we benefit from imports, uh, and it's not just exports. We really make it easy for trade's naysayers to come to the table and say, see, trade policy is failing when we have a rising trade deficit, when we see imports rising. But the fact is, imports rise and the trade deficit rises when the economy is expanding. Uh, it's pro-cyclical uh, because U.S. business <laughs> consumes a lot of imported uh, materials, as, as I had said before. So uh, we need to broaden the case for trade and stop talking in terms of just the benefits of exports because what's going to happen this year, we're, we're somewhat enthusiastic about the trade agenda for the first time in four years. The union stranglehold has been, has been broken. Um, President Obama has pledged to bring the South Korea vote, uh, the vote on the South Korea agreement to Congress uh, for, for, a, for a vote. Uh, he's agreed to pursue uh, conclusion of the Doha round and the, the Trans-Pacific Agreement and the other bilaterals to bring them forward. We've also seen resolution pending to this Mexican trucking issue. But everybody's saying we need to get all this stuff done this year because by the end of this year, we're going to be in campaign mode for 2012 for the presidential election. Well, why should that be? Why should trade advocates run scared of the electoral calendar? We should be able to forthrightly and confidently make the case for trade in the midst of a presidential election. For people who support free trade and intellectually get that, but nonetheless feel a suspicion uh, regarding when, uh, regarding discussions of the, this trade deficit, explain what you mean when you say that uh, half of imports into the United States are uh, eventually U.S.-made products. Globalization has made U.S. producers much more dependent on producers uh, in other countries. Uh, we have cross-border supply chains, uh, transnational investment, and as a result, U.S. companies source a lot of their intermediate goods from abroad, as do producers abroad. Uh, so uh, 
about 55% of U.S. imports for the past several years have been either classified by the Bureau of Economic Analysis as either intermediate goods or capital equipment. Those are not things that consumers purchase. So you have some people hand-wringing and uh, self-loathing Americans who like to point to American profligacy and, oh, we consume too much, and that's why we have this big trade deficit. Well, this is not consumers purchasing these imports. This is, this is U.S. business in order to produce their products cost-effectively so that they can compete with their, uh, in their final goods with producers uh, in, in other countries. So we, they need access. And, in fact, President Obama knows this. And, in fact, this, uh, a few months ago he signed into law the Manufacturers Enhancement Act, which was a bill to eliminate tariffs on a select group of industrial inputs. There are no producers in the United States, so there's no political resistance to it. But in signing that bill, at the signing ceremony, President Obama pointed out that American producers really need access to these imported <laughs> materials. In fact, the, the, the Obama administration has even brought a case against China in the WTO for China's restrictions on exports of various raw materials. And the United States Trade Representative has pointed out how dependent we are on those materials. But when it comes to making the broad argument, there's never this broad argument that we really need to have access to trade in both directions because our, our producers are dependent uh, on the rest of the world. It's only in those specific cases that, that the administration has made the case for imports. But the case applies universally, and they really should make it, and that's really the winning argument for trade. And there is a perhaps a false distinction between uh, capital goods that businesses buy and consumer goods that people just like to enhance their own lifestyles. A capital good may enhance your bottom line. You get a better deal than you might otherwise. But if you're using that exact same product just uh, to enjoy it, there's really no no distinction there to be made. Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I'm glad you brought that up, Caleb. But uh, right now, the emphasis on economic policy is how are we going to put people back to work and how are we going to get producers to you know, get the economy to grow? And so for the political discussion, I think it is important maybe to focus on the fact that, hey, it's, it's our businesses uh, who, who do all the employing uh, that rely on access to imports. Dan Eikenson is Associate Director of the Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. He is co-author of the new Cato Free Trade Bulletin, Beyond Exports, A Better Case for Free Trade. You can download your copy at Cato.org.